Hello and welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chafin. And I'm the other one of your hosts, Caleb Shively. Concerned uh, about Chris's chair peeking up. Is it yeah. a rocking chair? It is a rocking chair. Oh, never I'm mind in a rocking chair. I thought you were yeah. in like a regular chair. And I was like sitting very yeah. dangerously. No, it's a it's a rocking chair, so I'm fully on the ground right now. Fully. Yeah. Uh, so you're listening to Actually Best Choice Movies. This is a movie podcast where we talk about films, uh, new films, quality films. The first one is like a, a brand new movie, and the second one is an older one that's related to it in some way. So we're spoiling one, and then one you like seen, so you don't really care as much. Yeah, exactly. But you would have opinions that we might share with you. And if you think what we think about the older movie, then maybe you agree about the first movie and you want to go see that first movie Mm -hmm. we usually don't spoil it like too bad and i feel like if you're into cinema like you don't care about spoilers yeah and we talk about how it looks and you can't spoil looks of things (laughs) so that's the general deal this week we're going to be talking about uh two movies one new movie see this is exactly the way i told you it was going to go this is like when you give a work presentation they say tell them what you're going to tell them tell them and then tell them what you told them oh yeah isn't that also in like uh, college re- reporting essay writing class like <laughs> yeah. journalism class it's basically exactly yeah. the same thing yes exactly sure um, so the first movie this week is uh, John Wick 3 it's the third installment in the John Wick franchise starring Keanu Reeves your boyfriend and mine uh, a fantastic film or we'll get into it I guess and the second movie is uh, another third movie in its franchise that's Toy Story 3 yes which is a upcoming fourth to it but we're going to review 3 to stoke excitement to Say it at four to talk about just kind of check franchises in. in general. Just kind of check in and see how we're doing. Yeah, you know? our um, Toy Story feelings. So that's all this week on actually best choice movies. Uh, but before we get to any of that, Caleb, uh, how's your week been going? Um, what have you been watching? I know we went to a movie we together. We went to the, just the farewell last... at Bam Cinema Fest, which is a great fest that I've been going to. F- since I've moved to Brooklyn 10 years ago, oh my God, I've been so much. I love BAM Cinema Fest. I really do love BAM Cinema Fest. It's great. Fest. It's a great festival. It was opening light last night. Uh, A24 showed uh, The Farewell with uh, starring Aquafina, directed by Lulu Wang. Um, she was the first female to open BAM Cinema Fest oh, to the yeah, director. that's true. Female yeah. director. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really interesting to see that movie. We're going to talk about it in more detail yeah. on a future episode. I guess maybe next episode. The next it? episode. Play that. Dun, 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 dun. Next time on ABC Movies. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's... I thought it was really fun. You know, I love going to BAM Cinema Fest, too. It was funny, actually, because when I realized that it's based on this This American Life story... Uh, that aired back in 2016, by, also by Lulu Wang, uh, I was like, oh my God, I also saw the Mike Birbiglia movie oh. at BAM Cinema Fest. Like, how many This American Life movies <laughs> am I going to see at BAM Cinema was Fest? Was his the improv movie with Jillian Jacobs? Uh, no, the one before that. Oh, just his regular one? Sleepwalk yeah. with Sleepwalk me. Sleepwalk with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to that. It was also his birthday party. Uh, Damn, Mike. And I, yeah, it was fun. I got to hang out at the birthday party. You know, a friend of mine got me in. And I was talking to Ira Glass's then wife for a long time, which was cool. I remember that's like the only time I've met him in person, although I did interview him once and the interview was great. But this time it was just like a party and I was my friend was friends with his wife and Mm -hmm. also with Ira. And he looked over at me kind of like, 
who the fuck are you? Why are you in the VIP area? Why are you talking to my wife for so long? And I just was kind of like, hey. But he said know. it in a very uh, comforting tone that made you curious to keep listening. Yeah, to exactly. exactly. He was sitting you. behind a desk. He was wearing a suit. He had his glasses on and his hair combed just so. Um, I'm Ira Glass. It was fun. Yeah, anyway, it was fun. We'll talk about it more in a future episode. Yeah, I did see two other movies at BAM that weren't at BAM Fest. Uh, I saw Diamantino, which is a really weird. Oh, I really want to see that, actually. Movie. How is that movie? I'm always getting ads for it on Facebook. Yeah, um, it is as weird as the ads uh, come by. Uh, the plot to it is just su- super uh, silly. Like, he's an international soccer star, uh, he's like the best ever. His trick is that he just pictures himself playing with giant puppies the entire time. <laughs> And that's surreal itself. But then um, as he's on his boat relaxing before the biggest game of his career at the World Cup Championship, uh, he sees he's on a boat and he sees refugees and they help them out. And that's the first time he experiences sadness in his life. So he's sad and misses, has a bad game. No. <laughs> and, really? then he ta- and then he takes in a refugee to make up for or to because he he's so affected. He takes in a refugee, but the refugee is actually a, a spy. And then outside of that, it just gets very fun and weird. And uh, he's one of the stupidest main characters I've seen in a movie in a long time. Like, like stupid stu- in the sense that he's not a smart person. Like he doesn't pick up on the events yeah. of the film. Like yeah. he doesn't know what's happening. Uh, and the whole thing is uh, just very lovely shot and a weird experience. Yeah, because the ad that I always get on Facebook, it shows the guy. He's playing soccer when it looks like five feet of like pink foam. Oh, yeah, pink cotton. Yeah, that's where pink he pictures cotton. the, the okay. pup, giant puppies. Running so it's, he's picturing giant puppies that are in a huge field of pink cotton. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's a it's a very unique experience. Uh, what was that other What was that other flick, uh, dog? Last Black Man on San, in San Francisco. When I first initially came out of here, I was like, huh, that was something i'm not leaving i'm the last one left uh but i did and i saw this like last (laughs) wait is that like a positive emotion or a negative emotion Well, sometimes movies you just have to like sit with for a while and like i'm still sitting with it i I like it more i think about it uh i would say from the trailer it looks like like everybody's speaking in kind of a heightened dialogue like a kind of a Mm. faux poetry kind of thing which i'm I'm not sure about the trailer is gorgeous i would say it's malicky in that sense but uh but my complaint from it initially was a lot of the ideas, uh, the threads that they present, and they put out so many ideas, and they just put a lot of things in this movie, uh, and they don't necessarily end. They just, like, lead into another thread. And, like, the premise is, like, very much about gentrification in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, just a, what's, like, the sketch of the yeah, plot. It's yeah, it's hard to sketch a plot, but it's such, like, a political premise, but it's shot so poetically uh, it's so unique in its storytelling. It has this like very urgent premise, but with a slow uh, execution. It's uh, a very like realistic, important thing going on with like like a very surreal, almost laxadaisical energy, and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of is kind of amazing. The more I like, sat with <laughs> it, uh, like you want answers, but the answers aren't always there, and that's true of real life. Pay attention to this uh, director, uh, Joe Talbot. Uh, made a very uh, unique movie. Uh, a lot of funny stuff in it, uh, but just I don't know. It didn't mostly pay off for me, but also I don't. I didn't really care now that I think about it. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, like the movie. It kind of makes an argument that to truly know something, to truly uh, love and experience something, you have to look at it from different angles and. Some of those angles you're not going to be able to 
uh, understand or maybe not even like. And that's like a very hard premise to land, and it's very fun. And also, Jello Biafra rides a Segway in this movie. <laughs> is that true? Do do you, do people still like Jello Biafra? Like, what what is his place in society right now? Yeah, he's in that movie. <laughs> is he like a cool dude in that movie? Uh, he's a, it's more of a cameo. Uh, yeah, but is it like a cameo a cool, as a cool dude? Or? He's basically he's do, leading a Segway tour. He's the head of the Segway tour. <laughs> so no, he's not a cool dude. Oh, but that's like a that's like when the coolest person cameos as like a big nerd. Yeah, it's like, like when, a Harmore superstar, or like thing. when Iggy Pop was the dad in uh, Pete and Pete. Excuse me, folks. It looks like the dance is nearing an end, and I wanted to send out a special message to my little Pookie. Oh, sure. Or when Michael Stipe was the ice cream man. You and know? Pete and Pete? You're just going to make Pete and Pete? Yeah. <laughs> Where Chris Elliott was the uh, meter reader on Pete and Pete. I see you with Martin Van Buren, our eighth president. Yeah, exactly. These are Ellen all great Clegg examples. Ellen was also in Pete and Pete. Yeah, I didn't really see any other movies this week. Um, I mean, we went to see The Farewell. The Farewell. Uh, and I have been actually trying to get through Criterion Channel. I, I've started trying to use my Criterion Channel subscription mm. recently. Um, and there's a couple of things I want to watch on there, but I've been having like some technical difficulties, like where the platform is crashed. And I like yeah, it happened at to me them. this weekend. Yeah, I tweeted at them like your platform's down, and they like never responded to yeah. me. So I just deleted the tweet because it. I kind of feel like it's like it's a, ba- a bad look when you do like customer service tweets i try to like, oh, yeah, keep yeah. them out of the timeline you know um but um, i really want to watch the love witch actually is sure, what i've great been movie. meaning Je- to Jessica watch Biller, yeah. yeah i want to see it really all they put bad. a lot of her movies on there uh they also yeah, added, they have like a whole collection uh, of joanna hogg's other movies i saw that yeah. yeah 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 um i've been watching on criterion uh who sang uh who sang songs uh he have three of his movies on there uh he's just one of the more surreal like dialogue directors all his movies are the same exact plot but enough differently that he makes a bunch like what era is that uh he's made two movies last year he had no oh, okay yeah one uh, come out this year uh the ones on there from last year claire's camera with isabel hooper's in it and one from 2013 uh isabel uber uber uh but yeah he's been making movies for like 30 <laughs> okay years. yeah uh the only movie i have watched is i was actually tweeting a bunch of stuff from the account uh of the podcast oh, about it oh, I know. the children of paradise this like cursed movie from the 40s in france oh um that i i remember renting from the library when i was in college and i saw it on criterion channel and i tried to watch it it was actually like much worse than i remember it being i mean it's like a costume period piece from the 40s that was filmed filmed in france during the nazi occupation um check out our twitter account it's a wild story but i didn't even actually watch that i just like started watching it and (laughs) immediately fell asleep Um, yeah uh, i got gifted the criterion channel it's already a very dangerous like god damn it i'm not watching anything i know i feel the same way yeah um but anyway so that's enough of that stuff ah, that's enough let's move on to our first movie this week and that is john wick three let us begin our services still off limits to me what do you need guns Lots of guns. John Wick 3, uh, as you might guess, it's the third film from the partnership between stuntman turned director Chad Stileski. Is that how you say his name? Stileski, yes. Stileski. And of course, Keanu Reeves, your boyfriend and mine. Uh, Stileski and Reeves actually worked together on The Matrix when he was Keanu's stunt double. That's, I don't know if that's how they met, but yep. that, that is how they met. Okay, great. 
Um, so John Wick movies, uh, mainly what they do is they mine Asian action cinema from the 1980s and 90s, drawing heavily from things like uh, John Woo movies, like Hard Boiled, which was one of the first good movies I ever saw. I love it a lot. It's the best. Uh, and The Killers, uh, as well as newer films like Pat Chan Wook's uh, Old Boy. Um, usually this is where I would talk about the plot of the movie, but with these movies, they, like even more than most action movies, I would say the plot like literally doesn't matter at all. Um, suffice to say, Keanu plays John Wick. He was a kind of unstoppable clockwork murder machine who uh, can't be stopped no matter how sad he seems to be shooting someone six times in the skull uh, or how many hardened gangsters like literally beg him to stop killing people. <laughs> it's just impossible. Uh, John Wick kills and that's all he knows how to do. Uh, so Baba Yaga, Baba Yaga, Baba Yaga. Uh, what did you think about this movie, uh, young man? It's cool as hell. Uh, stunt choreography should be uh, more celebrated. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like it's like incredibly dance, difficult. Right? I mean, it's, it's like, it is like dance, yeah, but uh, probably even harder at to some degree. There's less rhythm to it, but there is rhythm to it, right? It's such a rhythm to um, it. Yes. And this had some like incredible, absolutely to die for, uh, practical fight scenes and then just like really inventive fight scenes like things that john uses as a weapon in this movie uh a book he kills boban marjanovic with a book and like right in the beginning of the movie like yeah first first fight scene they use their cameo which uh nba heads know that we've been waiting for boban to be in john wick 3 for a while (laughs) is that a thing i heard somebody talking about that on the way out of the movie that boban this the first scene in the movie is a fight scene between john wick oh don't get me to talk about the beautiful arc of boban a very tall white man with a a crazy accent yeah and i heard on the way out of the theater two guys much like you and i they were talking about this exact thing but like they both knew who this guy was Mm -hmm. and why he was in the movie but like i don't understand it at all so can you he's a cult hero in the nba Uh, okay and his name is what again boban marjanovic boban uh, he's seven three he played for this some uh, great spurs from? um i'm not sure off the top of my okay, head i want to say serbia fine. but i think that's wrong that sounds right yeah. um uh spurs hero uh per minute stats are like insane but he only plays like uh 10 minutes a game because he can't really run up and down the court <laughs> because uh, he's seven and but a half then like tall, yeah. when his contract was up he went and signed with he didn't want to leave but like no they basically told him no leave they did old yeller go we don't want you anymore get <laughs> so to just get him a, a bunch a big contract he's been traded a couple times there but he's always been traded with uh, the his friend Tobias Harris who might mm. sign with Brooklyn uh he's always been traded with Tobias Harris and they've started a friendship and internet video sensation Bobby and Toby where they <laughs> dance with each other really you just got Bobby and Toby <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so he's he gets killed with a book in like the first five minutes of the it's movie, great. and it's gross. Oh yeah, it was it's one gross. instance of a weapon he uses. I was uh, he also uses a horse. <laughs> uses a horse. There's a yeah. He keeps slapping this horse on the ass and making it. He kills three different people. I think yeah. with a horse. It's underrated in the sense of how New York that. Uh, oh, the, it's the, very, very New yeah. York. Yeah, like was, the, the horses from the uh, the Central Park stables. Yeah. Uh, and then oh. they're just like just running around New York for like the first like 10, 15 minutes of the movie. I was thinking about like what a New York movie it is. And I was like, is mm-hmm. this last, is this the last great New York movie? <laughs> like, I don't know. I wouldn't, it's the last like truly popular movie that glamorizes New York, I would say. Um, they do move out in New York. Uh, there was even a shot like early on uh, during that chase that reminded me of um, 
uh, French Connection. Oh, yeah. It was like even under so this the... chase. I mean, we're jumping around a little bit. Yeah. But the chase we're... is, it's a chase where people on motorcycles are chasing John Wick, who is on a horse. This actually has one of the only, <laughs> this is fucking amazing, right? Yeah. It's great. This has one of the only times in the movie, though, where I think something really stupid in the fight choreography, which is like, so this guy on a motorcycle rides up next to John Wick and grabs the lapel of his blazer. <laughs> and then John Wick reaches down into the guy's waistband, pulls out a gun and like shoots him like 10 times through his motorcycle helmet. Look, if the guy had a gun, why did he ride up next to John Wick and just grab him by the lapel? Like he should have just shot him. Like maybe it was an ode to just dumb super villains, villains in other eighties. Yeah, movies. dumb villain behavior. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bef- I think it's before this, or maybe it's after it. One of my favorite moments is when uh, they John Wick is fighting a bunch of people, which is like happens throughout the entire movie, <laughs> and uh, so they're like hitting each other with whatever's around, and all of a sudden they notice there's like a sword around and then they look over each other's shoulders and they're in like a museum a of weapons, weapons. Museum, it was yeah. a weapons museum yeah i think or, he was there to try to get a gun at first and then oh well this is this amazing thing where he makes this gun yeah he's there's this whole action sequence where people are running towards him and you it's an intercut where it's like they're running and then you see john wick and they're running and you see john yeah. wick this is the second fight so it was early on yeah and the first and what he's doing is he's putting together a gun in the museum of guns from old gun parts <laughs> and he does it he does it and he puts one bullet in it a guy runs in the door he he shoots him and then he just puts down the gun. <laughs> it's like he spent like a full five minutes making this gun for one shot and then he completely just walked away from it. And then like the fight goes on and then you forget like, oh yeah, they are in a weapons museum and they notice that and then just start like, oh wait, there's a case of knives behind me. <laughs> Boom. And they just start throwing knives at each other and they're hitting each other and then they realize when they're out of knives, they could just pull the knives out of their own body <laughs> to keep throwing at each other. That's dope. Oh my God, it's That's wild. That's dope. It's wild, it's wild. So I mean, the, the main thing as you can tell when you talk about John Wick 3 is you talk about the fight choreography. I mean, that's what, there is to talk mm-hmm. about like there was so I saw it at Alamo Draft House and they did Me this too. thing where they had a video beforehand recapping the plot of all the John Wick movies up to mm-hmm. this point and it's like it's so it's such a pointless exercise it's because one it doesn't giant matter plot. it doesn't it's gonna matter keep going. we're still matter. in the middle of it yeah also I would say it doesn't matter it doesn't it has nothing to do with what's happening uh, I would say it mattered in the first one uh, for the inciting incident yeah well because you stole John Wick's car sir and uh killed his dog you could have been dropped from space and see john wick 3 and if you would just be like okay whatever it doesn't know, make I'm, any less sense than it makes yeah, that's having true. seen you the just want to see some fight scenes it's just and there are really watching cool fight scenes. scenes i mean it's like pornography right mm-hmm. it's like the the parts connecting the fight oh, scenes yeah. are not important seeking safe harbor i presume i want his membership revoked now in the eyes of this institution mr wick has breached no legality. Then you know that. I really liked the uh, two versus one fight scene at towards the end, uh, with uh, uh, which is a kind of an ode to a modern masterpiece of action cinema, the Raid franchise. Which is there's two of those movies, and both oh, of those, those actors were uh, the big bads in the Raid movies. Uh, check oh. out the Raid, man! Holy shit. That movie is so cool. Uh, a lot of, yeah, like you said. It it's took, like a newer Asian action yeah, movie. Yeah, maybe that... like 2012. Uh, yeah, set in one spot. Uh, it's basically like a, that video game nice to level up to go through. Uh, it's really, really cool. Uh, I could let you borrow my Blu-ray. Oh, that um, sounds great. But yeah, like you said, it was influenced by that. Definitely the Raid is a modern influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those guys, uh, they don't, like could kill him. But they just like, no, come on. We're going to keep fighting. So there's a fight. At, yeah, this fight that happens towards the end of these two guys on one. And they keep 
they don't kill him at the beginning, even though they like knock him over like right they away. They throw him through so much glass. There's like a, they're in this room that has like a hundred glass display cases, and they just throw him through every single one of them. It's like amazing. And they keep being like, "Get up, come on, come yeah. on." They, we heard about you. And Let's as soon go. as he stands up, they throw him through another one. <laughs> and then, like, of course, because it's John Wick, he's like, you know what? He finally beats them and kicks their ass, and, and he doesn't kill them. He doesn't kill them out of respect. Yeah. Out of respect, one. Yeah. Res- what is his lines? He says he says to them, "I'll be seeing ya." I'll which be is one of his seeing ya. Another one of his catchphrases is. It's a very weird catchphrase, and he consequences. Sounds, he sounds crazy when he says any of these lines. He sounds yeah. like a lunatic when he talks. <laughs> um, one thing I will tell you, um, I did not like about the movie is, and it only happens occasionally, but they do use like really bad cgi sometimes sure like in the scene with the basketball player guy you're talking about because he like puts the book, in his, book in his mouth and hits it and then you you see his like jaw hanging at it like an impossible angle mm-hmm. but it's cgi and i would say it does not look very good like yeah and there's a couple other i think during the motorcycle chase there's some kind of motorcycle thing that happens that's like obviously motorcycle not real thing that happens um to talk about the movie some it's uh, probably winston's Best movie of the three, uh, Ian McShane's uh, Ian McShane, Continental yeah. character. He has a, a lot to do. Yeah, he has more to do. And it's also Sharon's uh, uh, Lance Reddick's character. The thing I never who actually get... gets to kick some ass finally here. The thing I never get about Ian McShane in these movies is like, he's obviously untrustworthy. He's not on John Wick's side in any way. He always screws him over at whenever he has an opportunity. But John Wick is always like, all right. Whatever you say, <laughs> you know, there's like, like a why is he always trying to help him and trust him? Like John Wick, who murders everyone he sees, why does he always do whatever Ian McShane says? Uh, because he's the head of his local continent. Yeah, but he's screwed him over like a thousand times. Uh, based off continental rules, and mm-hmm, he's whatever. also helped him out a couple times. Well, not in two this hour, movie. You yeah. give him that two-hour head start at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Also, the whole three movies was like a week. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's true, right? Like, this movie starts, like, an hour after the second. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. I, I, I like when they do that. Like, yeah. how the second season of Killing Eve starts one second oh, yeah. after the, the end The whole season of, of Breaking season. Bad's, like, uh, minus, if you take away the last season, it's, like, a year. That's crazy. Yeah. It's fun stuff. Um, we want to talk about uh, our current moment of June 2019 and experiencing Keanu Reeves. I love movies. Gosh, I love movies. I love watching them, and I love making them. He's having a moment. A moment. Everyone's started in love probably with... by the John Wick. It's funny. It's funny the because in this moment that we're in, this moment where we're all very like aware of the, our actions and the consequences of our <laughs> actions, and this moment where we're like all trying to be the best versions of ourselves, we can be like to an extreme. I find it supremely odd that the number one pop culture icon of this is. Keanu Reeves and four murdering people like uh, like you might say it's like not the right climate to put out a movie where you single-handedly like shoot a hundred people in the sure. face like that's like not a thing people generally like right now but not it's like there's a complete disconnect about that that's like a tip of the iceberg thing like maybe with kids they we don't know as much but with people our age and who all our friends listening I like the tip of the iceberg. That's what he's like. His big thing to point at right now is too. I mean, there's other things right now too, but uh, it all became. Yeah, he's been around for so long. Well, it's been around for so long that like we're ready to just fully appreciate him more and more. Uh, He had that amazing Colbert interview uh, Mm -hmm. where Stephen just stops and uh, asks him, "Crown Reeves, what what happens when you die?" And he steps, pauses, and says, 
I know that the ones who love us will miss us. An impossible question and an amazing answer. Mm. Uh, and that started like the meme thing. And then the Zoom meme thing is a movie I didn't like that uh, is which on one? Netflix. Which one? Uh, call me. Oh yeah. By your maybe. That's not what it's called. I'll always call be your me maybe. By your maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I love Randall Park. Uh, 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 no, Khan uh, does uh, Fresh Off the Boat, a show I watch all the time. Didn't didn't really like this movie though. But mm. there's some g- very funny stuff in it, and specifically Keanu Reeves plays a very heightened version of himself, and it's great. Uh, I hope you would go watch that movie despite me saying this, just <laughs> to see Keanu Reeves. Just to see he Keanu really Reeves. is that amazing in it. I mean, he, he's great. I mean, look, I've I love my own private Idaho and like Midsummer oh, sure. Night's Dream. Uh, much ado, or much, much ado, ado about, about nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love all those movies. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, I love he's... Point Break. I mean, you know, oh, yeah, he's uh, action movie wise, he's. Uh, I think he's better than Tom Cruise. I think it's weird when these things happen with like Jeff Goldblum or Keanu Reeves, where people talk about them constantly because it's like I'm always just thinking like. Yeah, that's a very likable movie star who has had a very long career because they're so likable. Mm-hmm. I don't get why like suddenly everyone's crazy about them. You're like, no, they're just yeah, they're yeah, they're great. Like, yes, I I don't know. I mean, I thought they were great already. They're men you know? I idealize. I don't. I they are great. Yes. Yeah, they are great. They're very decent men, and uh, they're cool, and they have good taste, and they've aged well, and they haven't become like insane. You would say they're part of your personality. I would, yeah. Well, I mean, I look like Jeff Goldblum, so like, there's that. Oh, like, damn. I can't get away from that. I mean, look, Caleb. Everyone, don't... go Google Chris and compare <laughs> and see. That's, this is not like coming from me. This is coming from like everyone I've ever met. You do look like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, yeah, Keanu's great. I don't know. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's fantastic. Uh, we could segue because Keanu is all cont- continuing his moment is in the upcoming. Uh, Toy Story 4. That's very true. Toy Story 4. Duke Kaboom in Toy Story 4. He has his own trailer. <laughs> Is that the name of... He's actually also in that this new video game I really want to play. Cyberpunk 20. Cyberpunk 2077. It's from CD Projekt Red. The I didn't know that was a video game. I assumed that was a movie. <laughs> no, it's a video game. <laughs> was it at E3? It was. It was at E3. It's uh, from the Polish video game studio CD Projekt Red, who also made The Witcher 3 the best video game of all time. Uh, and their new movie is this, or this new video game is the cyberpunk video game. And actually at the same time, they're making the Witcher three into a TV show with Henry Cavill and Henry Cavill is a big fan of both the video game. And the video game is based on these books that are based on like Polish folk tales. And he has apparently like read all the books and he is super pumped to be playing Geralt of Rivia in this, uh, Witcher three series. And Keanu Reeves is in the watcher. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. It all I'm comes full circle. Saying, yeah, uh, John Wick three is great. We're going to talk about the other three. Uh, Toy Story three. Now come on, guys. We all knew this day was coming. We're getting thrown away. No, no one's getting thrown away. We ain't ever getting played with. Hold on. This is no time to be hysterical. It's the perfect time to be hysterical. Should we be hysterical now? Yes. Maybe, but not right now. Come on. Is it correct to call a movie starring a loose limb plastic cowboy talking doll helping his friends escape a daycare where the villains include a pink teddy bear and a baby doll one of the most successful summer blockbusters ever? Hell yeah! Toy Story 3 grossed over a billion dollars worldwide, becoming the highest grossing film of 2010, both in North America and worldwide, the fourth highest grossing film at the time of its release, as well as the fourth highest grossing animated film of all time currently, and the First animated film to generate over a billion dollars in ticket sales. Also, two Oscars, uh, animated feature, best original song, as well as being nominated for best feature film. A summer movie did that. Uh, it was the third animated movie to ever be nominated for best feature film. Uh, the f- 
otherwise all its accolades. Uh, the film offers a fun, creative action set pieces. It deepens characters we know and love. It deepens the mythology. It offers two double whammies of a finale. Shout out to Lori Metcalf's character, Andy's mom. Uh, for all its Disney bona fides and product tie-ins, Toy Story 3 is an honest look at a formality and how we react within our own transience. Chris, did you watch Toy Story 3 recently? I did recently watch Toy Story 3. I know, 3, I loved Caleb. rewatching it. That's why I love doing this podcast, because I get to rewatch stuff. <laughs> like, Toy Story 3, I was like, midnight on Saturday, my wife was out of town, got high, even higher, mm. and watched Toy Story 3. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very emotional movie, like right from the jump. I mean, I think the whole arc of the Toy Story movies is like fascinating. Uh, and I think the way that they, like, the way they start Toy Story 3 is fantastic because they kind of pick up like very close to Toy Story 2, right? And they play you the song from Toy Story. Well, I guess there's like a big action sequence actually, which is interesting to think about in the context of John Wick 3. Oh, yeah. um, that it, it starts with like a huge, like the hugest action sequence yeah, they, ever in Toy Story. Yeah, it's inside Andy's imagination. Right, right. It's they get you really into like the relationship between Andy and the toys Mm -hmm. before flash forwarding several. Yeah, and then they start playing "You Got a Friend in Me," and it like slowly echoes out as Andy gets older and older until he's old. Andy about to go to college. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is just like a real gut punch right from the beginning. You're like, oh shit, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this perfect world is different now. It also allows you to judge this because, like, because I don't think I still had my toys when I was like (laughs) seventeen. But he did have a really strong emotional connection with his toys and played it, and it was really creative with his playing. I had wrestling action figures. (laughs) Did you really? Yeah. Um, Did you make them kiss each other? No, man. I made them kick each other in the balls. (laughs) Okay. That's basically the same. (laughs) Um, So it's interesting to think, right? Okay. Toy Story 1 is 1995. Toy Story 2 is 2000, Mm -hmm. which is basically as soon as you could possibly make a sequel to a movie like that. And then, but then Toy Story 3 doesn't come out until 2010. Mm-hmm. So that's a very long time. So I think it's very smart and cool that they aged him like as much as he might have aged mm-hmm. in real life. Um, um, especially because kids who grew up watching those movies were now like much, much older. So in a way, it appealed to them. Oh, totally. You know, in a very specific way. And also, also it works for kids. Oh, my gosh. You know? It totally hit that. Like, uh, we felt that going, we had that going away to college experience. There's that shout out Lori Metcalf character, Andy's mom. Uh, she had a, this is like really devastating lines where she just says like uh, how much she loves him and is going to miss you and things are different. Things I mean, are different now. It's... And like right away they're talking about throwing the toys away. That's oh, yeah. in like the second scene of the movie. They're like, oh, we're going to get thrown away. And you're like, oh my God, is that a possibility? And you know, Caleb, I have this mentally ill thing. Like I actually did feel guilty when I was a little kid about throwing away your toys. Yes. Uh-huh. Or like putting your them friends? in the attic or like I used to do this thing where I had a chest full of toys, like a wooden chest and I had a bunch of stuffed animals. I would try to arrange it. So like, the ones who were on the top row were the ones that I thought were friends with each other. And also the oh, ones that Oh, yeah, you put I your best kept... toys up, yeah. No, not not best no. toys. I'm saying I imagined that they were friends with each other. Oh. So I wanted to make sure they could hang out. And also the ones I left out on my bed at night, I was like, okay, you guys are the ones I want out, but like, also I'll bring out this other one because I know you like, kitten like your friends with the duck and like, even though I don't really give a shit about the kitten, like, it's for <laughs> the duck, you know? It's like you're his friend. <laughs> Uh, as we learned for this movie, that toys are friends with each other. 
I know. Well, what I'm saying is, so this pulled my heartstrings so hard mm-hmm. because this is this insane impulse I've been trying to tamp down my entire life and to have an, an extremely popular series of movies be, being like, no, actually, that's true. <laughs> I was like, it's very hard for me. Yeah, and you know? they take that and just toys literally face death in this, <laughs> well, this movie. Is like it's like, the I won't remember being in the theater being like, holy shit, this is this movie right now? This is a G-rated movie. Well, so yeah. if we're going to jump to the <laughs> end, right, I mean, exactly, the most iconic moment of this movie to me, to the extent that I had forgotten so much else of the movie, is the toys are heroes through three movies and 15 years, all holding hands on the conveyor belt as they're pushed towards the fire, and they stop fighting they look each other in the eyes and they accept it. So, what do they, we buzz? What do we do? They accept death. Yes. And it is wild. Harrowing. They hold it for a couple of beats too. Yes. You are like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> I guess they're all going to die. <laughs> and I guess by extension, I'm going to die also. Like, wow, this sucks. Yeah. It really was like when you first see it, like, I can't believe like i'm like just questioning death so much I'm, yeah i can't believe i'm thinking about death this much like this is crazy like um it's never has i it is one of the most emotionally affecting things i've oh, ever yeah. seen in a movie yeah uh i didn't cry then but i did cry uh when they go back to andy's room and Lori metcalf shout out andy's mom uh, mm. says that thing uh that's when i first started like oh god i can't lose it because i remember like my how like leaving college and like okay cool life's changed for the big part right here <laughs> yeah no i mean was that like a really big a uh, big thing for you leaving for uh, leaving home oh hell yeah get i'm trying home. to get you to cry caleb so like so yeah, it was very story, emotional it was actually one of the first movies i've cried at i've cried at other movies since then i can't think of any 2010 really yeah i don't really cry during movies um, I mean, the ending of this movie gets me too because it's kind of sweet. The thing that a lot of times makes me cry a lot is when people are really sweet in a movie. Mm-hmm. That's why a movie like Paddington Two is the movie mm-hmm. I cried maybe the most during because people what? are so sweet. So I was watching it like before you came over, and I was watching this segment um, that I had forgotten about, and is totally wild to me. So it's the segment where Mr. Potato Head takes all of his features and puts them on a tortilla, mm-hmm. and then he walks around. He's Mr. Very tortilla. Odd. Okay, that the logic of that really fucks me up somehow. That Mr. Potato Head can put his his legs, arms, f- eyes, and mouth on any object in the world, and then he can stand up and he's a living version of that he object. He has balance, yeah. Like that's fucking crazy, dude. Like that means he could be anything, and he's he's eternal. He's like he. There's nothing can ever be done to him, you know. And then he's some kind of monster. It's... He's some kind of monster. He could be like a living hunk of steak. He could be like a, like an eyeball. He could be sure. Um, a carrot. He could be swallowed. He could be swallowed. As yeah. we learned, like there's uh, which is yeah the double he could sword be of a that. hacky sack. Like you uh, know? I don't know. Mrs. Potato Head. The whole movie only has one eye because like that's could be a possibility. Because the other one's under the thing. I just feel like there's something which disturbing. is a very good uh, plot uh, contrivance. Like to have her. Oh yeah, it is. It's a very good plot <laughs> contrivance. Um, but yeah. Anyway, to talk about the progression of the franchise. So, you know, I think what's fantastic about the Toy Story franchise in general mm-hmm. is that each of the films feels very self-contained. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like they're building up to a sequel. Like the first no, one is all, very yeah. self-contained. It's just a little a buddy thing. flick. It's a buddy flick, and it's like you know, computer animation was kind of a oh thing. that was yeah it game changed the the thing yeah it was the first like fully cgi movie like that right but it was like who knows if we will ever do another one of these you know mm-hmm. it was all it was like just a step above like that lamp that hops around <laughs> you know what i mean i mean obviously it was a million steps above that but in a certain way it wasn't it's an it's like a proof of concept it's, a, it's an experiment 
and um, they definitely didn't seem to like assume they were going to make another one. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, Tim Allen's Buzz Lightyear character be more in the background as it went on, which I thought was a very smart choice. I mean, he is clearly the number two in those movies. Yeah. Uh, but like the second one was more about the backstory of like what Woody and Woody's roundup was and introduced uh, Jesse, which is a very heartbreaking story with her yeah. former owner. Yeah, it's terrible. A, so so depressing they had to get a Sarah McLaughlin song on that. <laughs> uh, but I think two is the funniest of them. See, I kind of don't like two. I feel like um, Toy Story 2 kind of reminds me of Back to the Future 2. Oh, that, that's my favorite one. <laughs> Back to the Future. I hate Back to the Future Part 2 um, because it's like... It's like they're trying to continue the first one in a certain way, but also like expand the world. And it's, it just goes in some very weird places and things kind of, the action kind of chases its own tail. And like, and a lot of it is, you know, too scary, frankly, in both Toy Story 2 and Back to the Future Part 2. So so many bad things happen, you know? Then I was going to say in the Back to the Futures, uh, Biff becomes more of a rounded character as it goes on. Like, we're not necessarily like. Good character. Yeah, they, but they get more. Yeah, they him. mentioned yeah. to him. And in Toy Story two, uh, they have a deep bench uh, with uh, uh, Wallace Shawn's Rex. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> and right. also uh, Ratzenberger's uh, Ham. Wallace Shawn, famous for being Grand Nagus Zek in Deep Space Nine. The potential for Ferengi business expansion is staggering. Isn't Ooh, that what he's most famous no, for? No, my dinner with Andre. When I finally came in. Debbie was home from work, and I told her everything about my dinner with Andre. Mm, I don't know about that. It's probably Princess Bride. Ha <laughs> you fool! You fell victim to one of the classic blunders! Probably Deep Space Nine, but... Quark! I mean, know. I gave you two clearer, cooler examples. I mean, we're going to be hearing clips of all of those, uh, so it's we're actually just gonna, you know... To do one more that uh, is probably his most recognizable, the uh, teacher in Clueless. Share Horowitz, two tardies. I object. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now I have to, God, that's so many clips I have to find now. I'm I so just mad love all the time. Just do the bride. Do the bride. Oh, I'm going to do all of them. Come on. Inconceivable. We'll do Rex. Rex is great. Inconceivable. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Deep and bench. Then yeah. I think what's interesting in the, so you get this kind of progression in franchises, right? Where it's like the first one is kind of, we don't know how it's going to go. And then the second one, you're like, okay, we have a bunch more money. It was really successful. There's an impulse to kind of do the first movie over again, but better. And then, but, you know, also kind of add some stuff to make it worth doing, Um, which I think obviously the absolute worst example of that is uh, Evil Dead 2, because it's exactly the same as Evil Dead 1. Whoa. Wait, Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2. No, is, is Evil Dead 2 the one where he goes back in time? No, that's Army of Darkness. Yeah. Evil Dead 2 is like the best movie ever. But Evil Dead 2 is just exactly the same movie as Evil Dead. It literally has exactly the same plot. Do you know the story behind that? Well, I'm just saying, I'm saying, this is what I'm describing. is like when you get to make a second movie, it's like, oh, I have more money. You want to do the first movie over again, but, but Evil better. De- I'm sorry, the Evil Dead is a horrible example because like that first one was a contained indie movie. Uh, and the second one... Uh, completely different uh distributors uh they had yeah, to, but i'm saying it's literally exactly the same movie uh they jammed the first the whole entire movie to the first like 10 15 minutes uh and then they do for the rest of an hour and a half do the best movie ever it's I mean, not it's the same good, exact it's a movie. good movie but it's it's exactly not the same exact the, movie it's exactly the same as evil it's dead not one. exactly the same as evil dead one at all 
it's means not literally it's, exactly the same, but it's like very much the because same they had to do that movie because of the studios. All right, okay. I'm saying I don't care about the backstory. I'm just saying like the impulse when you do a second movie is to make this first movie again but better, and like I understand there are reasons why that is the case for Evil Dead, but. That is, if you're just a viewer and you watch Evil Dead 1 and you watch Evil Dead 2, it's like, you'd be like, oh yeah, it's like very, very similar. The better example of that would be The Hangover, which it basically is the same exact plot. It is the the same. uh, But they just said it in Thailand. The screenwriter of uh, Chernobyl. Yes. (laughs) Um, Which was great. I really enjoyed. And then to a certain extent, Back to the Future, right? Because they literally go to the same events from Back to the Future 1. They revisit those. That's probably like a more meta take on everything too. So I think... Three even is two. They always do the same. Biff gets, yeah. Biff gets shit on his face. So they, um, to a certain extent, that happens in the the John Wick movies and the Toy Story movies. Although I'd say to a lesser extent, mm-hmm. you know, that also because the John Wick movie, it's just like a different action sequence. So it's hard to make that kind of a judgment. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, like, with the John Wicks, they, uh, as to spoil the end of John Wick three. Spoiler alert! Uh, it doesn't end. It right. just well, says yeah. like. You want revenge? And he says, yeah. And then well, yeah. now so, we have how many get how many more guesses? Who knows? Who knows? Well, this is what I was going to say, actually, about... So Toy Story 3, if we're looking at John Wick 3 and Toy Story 3, like, Toy Story 3 is the end. Like, so hard it is the end. It's like, this is the end of the story. Um, except for, right, they give the toys yeah, to there's uh, the Bonnie. crumbs, but yeah, there's so crumbs, definitely, but, yeah. You know, it's, Such an uh, emotionally satisfying Andy's ending. Andy's off to college. It's very emotionally satisfying. Everything's tied up. It's like, this is the end, you know? And, it, and, and because of how it came 10 years after the mm-hmm. other movie, it was like they went back to the well one last time just to wrap everything up, you know? And, you know, you know, in a meta level, like the stars are getting older, like they're not going to be making a hundred more of these. Yeah, even... Uh, they had to replace Slinky Dog's voice. Uh, Jim Varney passed away yeah, in 2010. Yeah, exactly. Um, but with John Wick, it's very much the opposite. <laughs> they end with him going like, "Yeah, let's meet up in two hours." Yeah. You know, basically, like it's so they not really, really can't all. do too many more of those movies because it's like I said, uh, within a month, <laughs> the whole thing's gonna be. <laughs> well, time keeps going, dude. I mean, there's so many months. Time so zero marches can... forward. But so it's it's definitely interesting in that way, and that it's like. John Wick seems to be picking up steam as it goes along, whereas Toy Story seems to have this hmm. like, okay, one more, fine. And then, okay, one more. All right, fine, we'll do I know, one but more. They arguably have gotten better as the Toy oh, Story. Oh, the Toy Story's have gotten yeah. exponentially better. If you watch the first Toy Story, it's like not that good. Yeah, and, I think the only thing I really like in it is when he turns to Sid and goes, nice. Uh, but there's like interesting stuff in it. It's in, it, uh, but it was, it was like very important because of its animation techniques it's, and what it's it brought. It's groundbreaking. What it brought Pixar into the world. Yeah. Uh, but two has some really weird stuff that I liked. Um, two is like a good. It's like a good movie. Yeah. I would say it probably holds up better than the first mm-hmm. one. Yeah, it actually uh, out showed people outside of the world more. Like there's collectors, there's mm-hmm. uh, toy stores. There's a, a, yeah, uh, a whole world of the actual action figures of Woody and Buzz. Yeah. Uh, and three is just like get the gang back together. More uh, story about yeah. Well, it's our temporariness because in a in a way, it's like by the third movie, you're kind of uh, like you're exploring pretty far afield from the world you set up in the first movie. But it's like you want to go back and explicitly reference something mm-hmm. from the first movie to kind of 
keep you. Oh, they going did a great along. job of that. Yeah, uh, the claw at the very end. The claw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's the, the payoff of the movie that saves them from the, the device. And also, I would say there's this way that they um like they make Buzz into the antagonist again because he gets like his switch flipped. Oh, but yeah. that's like very much a callback to their energy in the first movie of like Buzz is kind of annoying mm-hmm. and everybody is like we like him, but also he's a problem. Mm-hmm. And that that energy is it, all. They remind me the of that in two because uh, they find another Buzz action figure and they confuse it. So it's oh, like that's true. I guess that's just yeah. kind of Buzz's deal, right? Yeah. Is that he's like a friendly villain? Is that what Buzz Lightyear is? I think it's the limits of Tim Allen's voice acting range. <laughs> Can I tell you, I was reading in depth about Tim Allen's uh, drug arrest earlier this week. His cocaine use? His cocaine selling? Yeah, yeah. He was a high-level cocaine trafficker. He was arrested with a pound and a half of cocaine in the Kalamazoo, Damn. Michigan airport in a sting operation. And he flipped on, I think, oh, yeah, he narked. two dozen drug dealers uh in order to get out of jail time kids you narc you turn it into a successful movie franchise and a great stand-up career yeah although it is funny because even like like literally his judge who sentenced him was like well you got in a bad you got in some bad trouble but you seem like a very funny young man and i'm sure you'll be a very successful comedian good (laughs) lord which is insane insane um but so i don't know uh what what are your other thoughts on the uh on these two films you got anything else to say uh did you know that in 2010, Quentin Tarantino named his favorite movie Toy Story 3 or two of, of the year? That. I did not know Crazy. that. Crazy. I believe it. It's, yeah. it's like, I mean, I probably it probably is the best movie of that year. Uh, the, yeah. That, um, All right. Uh, so, Caleb, let's say you had to make... Let's do some big choices here. Yeah, let's do some big choices. Uh, it's uh, it's a big choice, Caleb. I know you, you like both of these films a lot. from big to bigger to biggest. This is your actually best choice. I was actually thinking we should get some theme music for this. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, the Jeopardy song. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, actually, best choice time. Which of these movies do you got to pick? Uh, Toy Story three. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Toy Story three for sure. I mean, John Wick three is fun. It has a lot of great. A lot action. of great. Yeah. yeah, but just like ends to set up a next one where Toy Story three it's actually just like ends another episode beautiful. in the John Wick TV yeah. show. Um, we're doing a G and R rated movie. That's <laughs> so funny. Um, franchise wise, though, mm. judging by the first three only, because that's the only things we have. Uh. Would you go John Wick or Toy Story? Oh, Toy Story. Definitely Toy Story. Yeah. Now to take take that. Take that in a more smaller level going back down within the Toy Story franchises. Mm. I said I like two a lot. Do you have a preferred? I think I like three the most. Three? Yeah. Toy that's, I would not. Yeah. yeah I they're, think they're, three is my great, favorite. Yeah. Out of the John Wicks, I would also pick John Wick three. three? I feel like the oh. three is, I feel like the, these John Wick movies have gotten better. Oh, I would they say get one is money. my favorite. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, well, the... There is more money, and there's a lot cooler set pieces. Which means they can do better stuff uh, when they I have more I think just money. the motivation in the first one was that he's getting revenge for his puppy. I mean, and the great, other that's ones, pretty funny. Uh, he's just trying to survive because everyone's yeah. trying to kill him. <laughs> I mean, um, an action film, especially of this kind, it's one of the only... I mean, look, a big budget never hurts, but with an action movie, it's especially valuable because you can just... it. You can do better stuff. It looks better. You know, the costumes are better. Like, it, it's just makes a lot of difference you know the more money mm-hmm. they put into it um one thing i did want to say like just to like throw in some nasty stuff right here at the end the only part of john Wick three i really didn't like was the uh halle berry section the like part in morocco because it just seemed very all the sets were bad i thought i thought mm-hmm. the stunts were not very good 
and they were like there were times when literally you could see like the mattresses you know and the (laughs) like little uh like there's a sequence where a dog runs up what's obviously just a little dog ladder jumps onto a, uh, a guy who then falls onto what is obviously a mattress, but it's a stack of... I don't think there was a dog of, ladder there. I kind of want to rewatch it, that. It was like a pretty an, cool It's not a dog ladder, dog. but it's like a long, thin, cylindrical thing. Oh, it's yeah. like the kinds of things that you have in a dog obstacle course. Oh, shit. Sorry. Okay. I was looking up it on my phone. I actually found the best movie. I have a list of the best movies by year. Okay, go, go ahead. Easy. MacGruber. Was oh, MacGruber. Oh, shit. Yeah. Of course. I should have known. <laughs> um... Anyway, that's the show for this week, kids. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm glad I got to talk about MacGruber. It's great to hear everybody. I promise to talk about MacGruber every episode going forward. Yes, please, Caleb. <laughs> please do that. Uh, anyway, that's it. Goodbye. Bye. I love you.